connection. Yeah. And he just said, look, you just, you've got to just trust. And if nothing comes to your heart, don't say anything. Just sit there and don't say anything. And I was like, oh, that's not going to go down very well. But I, I clearly remember that and me feeling like I wasn't, I wasn't channeling that wisdom yet. And then another friend of mine, one of the, the leaders in the Nation Pachamama movement, she just said, well, do you ask for guidance? I said, no. She said, do you ask Mother Earth to speak through you? And I was like, no. She said, good. <laughs> you know, yeah. and so then I, and, and similarly to how I started that conversation of love with my body in my healing process, I began conversing with Mother Earth. And in my meditation, I would, you know, really just ask for her to speak through me and I would ask that I be a vehicle to communicate you know earth wisdom and you know messages from the five elements and um and that sort of thing you got to accentuate the positive wow, I feel good a little bit of feel good goes a long way you're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fat, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. So great to be with you again. Look at this beautiful goddess I've got with me today. <laughs> Look at her beautiful hair. She's a mermaid. I'm sure she's a mermaid. <laughs> I've got one of Sydney's most amazing conscious leaders, Rachel Moore. Rachel Moore, welcome to the show, Rachel. Oh, what a beautiful introduction. Thanks, Karen. Happy oh, to be here. Well, you absolutely are one of Sydney's conscious leaders and uh, probably you'll be conquering the world soon, I would imagine. <laughs> Let me just read out uh, Rach's bio for you and uh, then we'll get into some questions. Rach mm -hmm. Moore is the founder of Rainbow Tribe here in Sydney. Her mission is to empower and inspire others by creating uplifting experiences for transformation, expansion and self-love. Rach is enchanted by earth wisdoms and the five elements and has guided many women through her elemental alchemy mentorship training programs to live more connected and happier lives a yoga teacher dance teacher and ceremonialist <laughs> mouthful isn't it it is a, a great one. word <laughs> uh, and facilitator dedicated to reviving the art of ritual in western culture having traveled the world to learn from master teachers, Rach draws from guidance from her Celtic lineage and traditions of Andrean mysticism. Andrean Rach, mysticism, yeah. Andean, is that Andean. how you say it? Andean. Oh, I might have, there might be a typo in my, in my bio. No, it's <laughs> me. It's me reading it because I've never seen that word Andean mm. before. I actually Googled yeah. it. Like, what does that mean from the Andes? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Uh, Rach is strongly connected to the, okay, I'm going to get this wrong too. Nation Pachamama. Nation Pachamama movement in South America, where she has was initiated in 2015. Mm. The lineage of Nation Pachamama teachings is based in Andean mysticism, which yeah. is an ancient shamanic tradition and practice. Mm. Wow! Mm. Tell you what, girl, you've been you've been <laughs> around the world. Listen, well, I want to start with your story because you know you and I have had few chats and yeah. um, about spirituality and things, and you're 
you're a classic sort of Western product of Western civilization where you've gone into the corporate world, you know, trying to make money and do what you love and enjoy your life. And you didn't really think about anything. I don't want to call it woo woo because, you know, I don't even like that word, but anything spirituality or angel or channeling or past lives or any of that stuff. So what happened to change your mind? Like, where were you? Mm. What were you doing? I think I think the the main catalyst was being diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis in two thousand and nine, right? And uh, uh, living in New York City at the time, and I was managing events in a very cool bar, and was getting home at seven a.m. because I was working, and decided that drinking straight whiskey because I lived in New York was a good idea. So I was really giving my body a hard time. And therefore, the rheumatoid arthritis was like, hey, we don't like this. So uh, that was the symptoms my body started to, yeah, we just got in, in, in really a, a lot of pain. And, um, you know, long story short, got diagnosed, got put on a bunch of pharmaceuticals, which I took, you know, kind of, um, you know, I kind of, I don't want to say blindly, but when something like that happens, you know, it's quite fearful and you know, you're just like, okay, yes, doctor, whatever you say, doctor, three bags full, doctor. Um, so I did that for a year and a half. And then, and then I really started to hear my body talking to me and saying, we don't like this. This is not good for us. All these um, really hardcore pharmaceutical drugs are just, they're not working. Sorry. Because I was still in pain. So how still old were you at the time that the rheumatoid? So it was you? 2009. So that's 10 years ago. And I was 43. So, so I was 33. Yeah. Right. Mm. Yeah. 33. Um, so, which is my lucky number, actually. Uh, there lucky you go. rheumatoid arthritis. Woo-hoo. The Christ which number. Was. 33. <laughs> Blessing in disguise, you know. Absolutely. So t- to hone it back in on, on the point to answer your question, what, what made me become more spiritual was when I started to listen to um, my intuitive wisdom, which was don't do what society is telling you to do, maybe try something else that's going to be a more empowering action rather than putting my power in, in the hand of, of the pills, you know. And so I slowly just weaned myself off because it's quite intense. You can't just stop taking it. You have to, I was taking five of these uh, pills called methotrexate, which is a um, chemotherapy pill, which also happens to every now and then help rheumatoid arthritis. So I had to like wean myself off that and then all the other meds. And I moved to Bali and I learned how to meditate, uh, Vedic meditation with Laura Poole and Charlie Knowles. And I um, saw a healer there named Barbara Hames who taught me, uh, I guess, a method which is called uh, body talk, which is about speaking kindly to your body, having conversations, loving, friendly conversations with your body, which was really the, the pivotal point because I changed my relationship with my being, with my whole being, um, and started to love myself um, yes. in that way. And so then I became empowered because I was managing the pain and I was making my own medicine. I would go to the markets in Bali and I was making turmeric and uh, ginger, like elixirs, like really strong stuff, blending it up. My entire apartment and, all, and my hands were always orange from all the turmeric. Um, and it was a really magic time actually living in Bali and, uh, and kind of changing 
my path because my path when I was on the meds was all about identifying with being a victim of rheumatoid arthritis. Whereas now I was identifying with being a self healer and someone who was just empowered. So um, that's when things really started to um, sparkle. Wow. It's, it, wow. It's a common story, actually. Yeah, this illness, is. you know, this illness is this activation. You know, I wrote a book uh, or put out a book called Awakened by Death, but I should put, put out a book called Awakened by Illness because mm-hmm. I've had so many conversations with people where illness has been their path to their enlightenment or spiritual journey anyway. And, uh, you know, like Tom Cronin, I had him on the show and, you know, because they're out there being fabulous in the world, making money and looking good and having the life of Riley, yep. you know, like living the dream, right? And then illness mm-hmm. sort of takes them down and they start looking at life and themselves completely differently. I love that you said you started to love your body. I think as women, we don't do that. You know, we criticise our body all the time. I'm not thin enough. I'm not beautiful enough. I'm not fat enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not short enough. I don't know. Like we're like so conditioned into not being enough with our body focus. So, uh, So that was beautiful that you were like loving your body. But I think just loving your being too like when you're in the corporate world were you loving your life and loving your being or I was because I've I've always had fun and you know I was working um in the uh, largely working in the um the festival industry I was working with alcohol companies building experiences around their brand so that people would you know at, at the festival I would build a, a really engaging fun bar for x brand so that all the festival goers would be like oh my god look at that epic pirate ship i'm going to go over there and once inside the pirate ship you can only drink spiced rum so therefore it was bringing people into brands with beautiful experiences you know and because it's alcohol brands you get like a really nice budget so it was really fun and i was able to be really creative and i i enjoyed it i was paid really well And it was just over time, gradually, I started thinking about what I was doing with my time and my energy and my creativity. And yeah, whilst it's really cool to build a a big pirate ship or whatever it is that I'm building for these brands, what am I doing um, for the greater good? And some might argue, well, you're creating these really fun places for, you know, for... for To get drunk. Young adults to (laughs) have a great time in. Yeah. But I'd already, I'd already been, um, I'd already entered into this world, you know, like whilst I was living in New York, um, I joined a women's group and started doing women's new moon circles. I was just, um, yeah, it was really funny how it happened. Um, I was at a wedding in Mexico and I was sitting next to this woman and it just kind of came out my mouth. I was like, I really want to join a women's circle. Do you know any women's circles? And I never really thought about it. It's not like I'd written down on my, you know, goals, join a women's circle. I didn't even know what that was. Yeah. And she said, funny you ask that. I've been holding a women's circle for about 10 years. You can join my circle. And oh, so wow. that really was another, another pivotal moment um, was, you know, joining these women's circles and being kind of really welcomed into the fold of, you know, a bit more Wiccan, pagan, Celtic kind of um, earth-based spiritual practice because I was never raised religiously. Um, 
you know, like, like most people always, you know, in awe of nature, mm. um, you know, and, you know, pretty enchanted by the moon and, and things like that, but had never really kind of put it into my own personal practice. So joining this women's group every new moon um, was another big turning point in my life. And I, and I, to this day, I'm still doing women's circles. I've got one on, on Thursday for the Leo new moon. Yeah. I know you're so active in Sydney with your um, with your events. It's amazing what you're doing because you know I speak to people all across the world, both um, on the show, but often well, more so in my online groups and as as my clients, who are wanting to have this spiritual connection with people, but they're not in places, especially in America, where they have all this going on that we've got going on in Sydney. Mm. And, um, you know, they join my group because it's online and they can have this discussion with, yeah. uh, with the group online, but they don't have women's circles and stuff like that. So I encourage these people to start them. <laughs> like, Absolutely. If you Absolutely. haven't. Yeah. And that's what I love about it. It's not, um, you know, it's not like a, a, a codependent, uh, sorry, not a codependent, a dependent relationship where I hold the space and the women come and they just, they have to come back to me. A lot of the women get inspired and I also encourage them to, you know, do tr start your own women's circles with your own groups and make it your own. And, you know, you know, it take the principles of, you know, connecting to your intuition, setting intentions for the month ahead, which is usually the, you know, the kind of penultimate goal of the, of the, or intention of the ceremony is to, you know, create just, just for two hours, every 28 days, take time, reflect what the sky is doing. It's a dark sky. So be still and, and kind of go inwards within a group setting where you're supportive, you're allowed to be vulnerable, you're held. You know, we get, we do a couple of ecstatic dances to, to release and shake it off. Sometimes we'll do a fire ceremony. Um, but, you know, and it's, it's a very old practice and it's very simple, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that it's a very old practice. Mm. So, okay, so take us, so you're in Bali, you're making your own concoctions, you're sort of discovering more healing practices, meditation, then mm. what happens? Like, Then I moved back to Australia. So I'd lived, been living in New York for four years, um, decided it was time to come home, be around my friends and nature and stopped in Bali um, for six months to... Okay, Whereabouts in Bali, Ubud or? I was living, no, I was living in Changu. Um, and I didn't get to spend that much time in Ubud because I was also starting a fashion label while, while I was there. When in oh. Bali, you know. Start a fashion label. Start a fashion label, which is, had been brewing, which was also another reason for me to be like, yep, okay, I'm going to leave New York. Let's get out this fashion label, which was called Wild at Heart. Let's get it off the ground. And whilst I'm in Bali, I'm going to seek out these natural healers and, and just you know, live a little bit, like live away from the concrete jungle because New York is that crazy yeah. melting pot, you know, and it never sleeps, you know, the energy is just always up. Um, and, you know, because I'm a highly excitable person, it was really hard for me to step away from that because there was always something going on and I was really active in the Burning Man community over there and, you know, so many performances and theatrical shows and weekends away and, you know, it was just fantastic, but it took a toll on my, um, on your health, on my adrenals. On your adrenals. Yeah. So how many times did you go to Burning Man? I've never been. 
I don't know if I'd love it or hate it. I love the visuals of it, but I don't know if I could cope with the environment, the heat and the dust and like. Yeah, well, you just can just choose to do it in a more um, luxurious way with an RV. So I went 10 times in a row. Wow. And, uh, yeah, the first, the first two times I, I was still living in Australia and, uh, and then the, the last kind of, then the four times in the middle was when I started my own theme camp called Camp Bang Bang, which is still going. There's still, it's still run by an awesome bunch of, uh, of crew based in, in Bondi largely. And um, so I was kind of like mother hen to 60, 60 party kids, you know, and I would party as well. But gradually, you know, my, um, I guess the things that I wanted to do with my energy, I stopped wanting to party so much. And also because of the rheumatoid arthritis, you know, after I got diagnosed with that, I couldn't party so much, you know, because you get fatigued and, you know, you can't ride your bike around in, in, the, in the desert for eight hours on end when you've got rheumatoid arthritis. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I went, I went 10 times and it's one of the greatest things that I've ever done in my life is go to Burning Man and be part of a theme camp. And, you know, my, both my brothers... Um, have been several times my little brother's going back again this year he started his own camp and you know the friendships that you forge out there are just just you know because it's a hard work you got to really work it's like really community you got to really pull it together because you got to take everything you know so yeah um, I mean the thing about Burning Man I think it was started under a conscious banner but I think it attracts a lot of people that just want to go and like party and get drunk and dress up it's not oh, it's, it's not really there in the world it's the biggest party in the world but it's not really a I don't know, a consciously spiritual practice for many people. It's like a big party, party, party. No, it's definitely not a consciously spiritual practice, but what it is, is a really great platform for people to experience community. Yeah. So whether you, even if, you know, of course there's some people and they call it plug and play camps where you just have a bunch of cash and you say, here's my 10 grand, organize my RV, all my food, this, that, and the other. And then you kind of, you don't really embrace the 10 principles of, Burning Man, one of them, which is um, r radical self-reliance, you know, okay. um, you know, because part of it is like the rite of passage of actually making it there. And if you kind of buy your way in, you know, you're going to have, uh, you probably still have an amazing time, but you kind of miss out on that, um, you know, the meetings with all your friends, planning all the bits, doing all the shopping building the artwork and the structures. And, you know, luckily we have an amazing man, Andy Resnick, who um, works in Hollywood as an art director and um, he's helped us out. He's one of the, the, the main crew and he, uh, he helps us make really cool things for our camp, like 15-person octagonal hammocks and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. So what are the other principles of Burning Man? Oh, now you put me on the spot. Okay, so we've got self-reliance, radical inclusion, gifting, leave no trace, right. um, participation, immediacy, decommodification, and, and three you, other really awesome yeah. ones. Yeah. So do you yeah. think that it's a, it's a model of where society can go? Uh, I don't know how sustainable, like... Not not the way that it is because it would just be this wild, crazy party all the time because a lot of, there's a lot of art, yeah. a lot of art, you know, and the camps themselves are art, art. you know. Mm. Um, 
I don't know if it's a model for, for society. I think something more like boom festival is more of a model for society because they, it's not about leaving no trace because you can't really have a society that leaves no trace. Whereas boom festival is, um, they use the waste, human waste, and they fertilize the ground and they've turned the, the, the ground fertile. Um, you know, they, they use everything and recycle it again. So their model is a little bit more about um, sustainability rather than just leaving no trace because okay. you leave no trace at Burning Man, but then you take all your trash and you go and dump it somewhere else. Okay, okay, kind of, right, yeah. Uh, so as far as like a, a model for society, um, yeah. You know, some yeah. parts of it for sure within the camp, the little camp ecosystem of who's going to get the ice, who's managing the water, who's cooking the dinner, who's doing the this, you know, everyone has to take on a role. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, look, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm yeah. pretty sure I come from a future where all that sort of um, happens. I, I, yeah, even as a kid, I knew I came from the future. I felt like I was yeah. in dinosaur times. Yeah. But uh the waste, the whole waste thing, you know, I just, I think there's really easy ways of having zero waste in this world. Yeah. And um, anyway, people are coming up with it and yet we still keep, you know, filling landfills full of plastic crap. And I could just, you know, anyway, one day it'll happen. Yeah. Okay, let's get back to your story. So yeah. you came back to Sydney. Were you healed of rheumatoid arthritis when you came back to Sydney? No, I wouldn't say I'm healed because every now and then, you know, like, Yesterday, my wrist was just like saying hello. You know, it was like, hey, like rest, you know, have some turmeric, that sort of thing. So the symptoms still pervade, um, but they're really manageable. And I'm okay with that because it keeps me on track. You know, it keeps me really respecting my body. So if I'm out and I'm tired, I almost never push through whereas there was a time in my life where it was all about the push through to sunrise you know and so I like that it keeps me in track and I'm grateful for that um so yeah I came back to Sydney and the first thing I did was start Rainbow Tribe start the women's circles here because I've never heard of that in Sydney and I was like oh my god I can't wait to take what I've been kind of guided in New York by this beautiful woman Amy Amy Dawning Star um and yeah, started started the women's circles in Sydney, and that was really the birth of Rainbow Tribe. Um, they, well, I have to say, having been in this sort of conscious arena for a long time, we've had many women's circles in Sydney, yeah. but they come and go, people move on, yeah. and I think that you're just starting it for a new generation and yeah. uh, and a new generation that is waking up to this sort of thing because yeah. you know the older generation there are pockets of people that have been doing it for years. Yeah. And they move on to other things and yeah, and retire and live in the blue mountains and paint art. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's a sequence. Blah blah blah. Live in the blue mountains. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Become an artist. Yeah. And um, you know, paint in the garden. Yeah. But so what I'm loving about what you're doing in Sydney is you're providing you're providing this opportunity for people to look at their lives differently, to to mm. to create community like I, wherever I go, I ask people, you know, who are you? What, how did you get here? How did you find out about it? What do you know? Like I just quiz people and yes. I've done that in lines waiting to go into Rainbow Tribe events. And, yes. and people have said to me, you know, oh, you know, I work in the corporate world. I've never done anything like this before. So you're attracting that, you yeah. know, that, those newbies. And uh, yeah. I think that's really fabulous that you're doing that. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Karen. Yeah, I do like to bring in, 
a little bit more of the, the ceremonial and ritual elements. So it's not just a conscious dance party, um, you know, because my husband, Andres, he's, he's my main DJ. He's and, the DJ. Uh, uh, he's, I'm his biggest fan. He plays amazing music. Um, and I think having that element where we bring in some ritual is what really um, people love the most, you know, because it's something that they're not used to. There's a lot of, you know, you can go, there's a lot of places where you go and there's facilitated dance and, you know, partner up with someone and do a shadow dance. And, and I don't mean to have a, a condescending or patronizing tone when I say that, cause I do that. I love doing that. Um, and a lot of, a lot of people do that at dance experiences and it's great because, you know, if you go to the nightclubs, people are just kind of all facing the DJ doing this. They're not facing each other and playing and being playful and um, and that's what I just love the most. You know, recently I, I did a little bit of a share about this time last year, Andre and I were at Boom Festival and they invited us to open uh, one of the main stages on the first night and we had about 200 people at 10 p.m. You know, we had a two-hour set and normally that, you know, the DJ comes on and everyone just dances, whereas this was the DJ came on and it was like, really facilitated connection. So the first dance experience they had was they got to actually meet, lock eyes, connect from the heart, you know, more like a, a community rather than kind of in your individual bubble. Um, you know, there are some extroverted people on the dance floor who make a million friends and I was always that person. Um, <laughs> I used to get in trouble from my best friends. They're like, you go and talk to those people sitting down over there. You haven't been with us all night. And then you run off to those people. You know, I did. They used to say, I think you like meeting people, meeting strangers. Better than yeah, yes. And like, yes. I know. I think maybe that's true. Yeah. yeah anyway, yeah. I digress. I can't even remember what I was A girl talking. after my own heart. Look, you know, I was having dinner with Michelle last night, Michelle Mara from Five Rhythms Dance, and um, she, you know, said, come to yoga with me, which is great. She's getting me off the couch. And uh, we were talking about dance because I had this experience when I was away recently of um, all these Aboriginal spirits coming in to chat to me. And um, I said, what do you want? And they said, we want you to dance the, la the land. And what they, what unfolded for me around the whole dance thing, you see, we see dance as a personal thing. Like I'm going to dance because it feels good and I can move, you know, or then when we come into ritual, it, it feels good to connect with people and have community, but it's always personal. It's always like about me and what I'm getting out of it. Whereas they don't dance for that. They yeah. dance because they understand that movement creates energy. Yeah. And when you put thought energy with physical energy, you're expanding consciousness and you're expanding thought. So they dance for healing of the land or they dance yeah. for healing of humanity. So they yeah. use their movement, their really intent to use the movement of the dance to dance for what they want to see happen in, in the tribe or yeah. in the world, like the yeah. human tribe. And so that's what I'm excited about with dance because dance creates energy yes. and energy, you know, shifts this world. So we can yeah. dance our way into a new humanity, you yeah. know, like it's not just about the health of my body or mm. having a good time. Uh, and it's just such a powerful experience, this whole dancing yeah, thing. Absolutely. And healing as well, you know, yeah. so healing, healing the land, seeing we can sing the land, dance the land. Yeah. 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 And, you know, even at the big, um, I don't want to call them unconscious 
but let's say they're not over, overly conscious. Festive. Drunk fests, yeah. <laughs> well, Andre and I just, we came back from Splendour of the Grass last week. That's why yeah. I got a horse throat. 42,000 people, beautiful, sacred Aboriginal land where the festival is held. We were part of the Global Village, which is a conscious part of Splendour. It's like the secret heartbeat of the festival. A lot of, uh, you know, Aboriginal workshops and yeah. you know, Andre and I did our, uh, our experiences every day there. And, um, you know, even at those festivals when there's, you know, I, I ran up to the top of the amphitheater for the Hilltop Hoods, the Aussie hip hop band, and they were playing nosebleed section, like classic track. And the whole crowd was dancing together, singing the song together. The, you know, the, the, the Hilltop Hoods were getting them to kind of do a bit of a call and response. And even though that's not like a, they're not all those people aren't consciously thinking we're in unison. I'm singing and moving with 40,000 people and we're stomping our feet into the land with joy in our hearts. They're not consciously thinking that, but they're doing it. And, you know, I think that in itself is so healing and it's healing for the land, even more so if, if you're aware of it and you're like, thank you, Mother Earth. Yes, I'm going to stamp my feet. And like with the Aboriginal dance, it's like, thank you, Father Sky. Thank you, Mother Earth and Earth and Sky and to all my friends. You know, they really embody that with their movements. But I just, you know, as standing at the top watching this performance and just like, just ecstasy flooding my body, endorphins flooding my body, just watching these people doing something together yeah in in unity in joy you know it's just oneness yeah Yeah. oneness yeah yeah it's powerful I mean even it's funny even I'm not a uh, like a sports person but someone took me to I've only been to one football match in my life (laughs) Because I'm just not into it, right? And she's like, you have to come. And I'm like, oh. And it was the same thing. Like even that joy, that unison of joy and everyone kind of cheering at the same time. Yeah. And a crowd of people screaming. I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. And that's the thing that in the Western world and maybe the wider world, you know, that we – we don't – we don't take that exhilaration of thousands of people – doing something together, using our voice and our body, directing that energy directing. for a greater good. Yes. You know, we're directing it to the footy players. Yeah. You know, which yeah. is great. You know, or good the, on them. I don't or get the rock band. Yeah. No. You know. Um, yeah, the, the footy millionaires. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and at the crowds, we're doing it to the musicians. They work hard. They deserve it. But, you know, getting the crowd and directing that energy you know, to the, the earth, to someone that's sick, to um, the idea of, you know, people that are hungry or whatever, you know, it's getting a little wishy-washy what I'm talking about, but I know you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. You know, because yeah. there's so much power in that. Absolutely. That energy is, like, if I can stand at the top of a hill and be flooded with light from a crowd cheering, you know, that, that light is magic. That's healing. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Oh, darling, well, I see you facilitating massive crowds to do that, directing oh, that everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like there are people, there are musicians like that that are doing that. Uh, that's why I'm so excited about the conscious uh, music movement, you know, yeah. like medicine for the people. and yeah. um, Elijah Ray, Frank Elijah. Yep. Absolutely. Lulushka, Murray Kyle. Oh, Murray. I, I mean, they're all, you know, Lulu and Mishka are doing it more in a kirtan sort of yeah. fun way. But these big crowds, like, you know, the, the, like the medicine for the people get these yeah. massive crowds. And, yeah. And, and he stands up there on his podium and he speaks his truth and he gets everyone engaged in that, yep. whether it's earth care or, or people care or, you know, and, uh, yeah, so it's powerful. It is. It's the way this world will, yeah, it's, it's all about coming together to transform this world. And uh, Oka's really good at that as well. The, the Aussie group from the sunny coast, Oka, they're, they're great at that, you know, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, where are we with your story? So I you came know. back to Sydney, you started Rainbow Tribe. Yeah. And, like, what else happened on your... Because, you know, you've, you and I have had this conversation about uh, speaking to your tribe. Like, I, you know, go down the rabbit hole. So I'm speaking, talking to angels and spirit guides and ETs and deliberate creation. And, you know, where are you going with your tribe and spiritual exploration? When you talk about my tribe, do you mean my spirit guides that you introduced me to last week? No, no, your your people tribe, your rainbow oh, tribe, like the actual humans, the human tribe. <laughs> right. Uh, say the question again. How do I speak to them? Yeah. What do you want them to know? And and how far? Where did your spiritual journey take you? Like how far down the rabbit hole have you gone in your exploration of consciousness and all that it is to be deliberately uh, conscious? Well, you know, I kind of explored the things that charmed me along the way. Like, you know, I've done several ayahuasca adventures to go to that sparkly realm. realm. Um, and, you know, for me, I think it's really in meditation where I get to go to those subtle layers. And I don't feel like I've gone as far down the rabbit hole um, as a lot of others, yourself included. I feel that my, um, like my contact with the more ethereal um, realm and that stream of, of consciousness that we get to kind of tap into whenever we make time and space, that's where I, um, you know, I, I, get, I touch that place in meditation. And, um, and now after doing what I do for, for this many years, now I'm able to channel that when I, when I'm holding an event and I enter that space of ritual. So as soon as, um, sometimes it happens as soon as I sit down and wait for people to arrive. And other times it happens as soon as we take those initial three breaths. Um, but I definitely remember a time, uh, and it would have been maybe only five years ago. And I was at my first ayahuasca ceremony and I, and the, the sh- it was the next day and the shaman had, done his thing the night before and of course you're under the influence of ayahuasca so everything is even more beautiful and romantic and seductive and whatever and I just you know the next day I was like how do you speak like that how you know I I said you know I hold these events and these women's circles and I want to be able to just speak with this eloquence and this articulation from the heart Whereas, you know, up until that stage, a lot of it, you know, I would kind of study what the moon was doing and I would, it would be a more of a, a logical brain, analytical brain yeah. preparation. Yeah. 
And he just said, look, you just, you've got to just trust. And if nothing comes to your heart, don't say anything. Just sit there and don't say anything. And I was like, oh, that's not going to go down very well. But I, I clearly remember that and me feeling like I wasn't, I wasn't channeling that wisdom yet. And then another friend of mine, one of the, the leaders in the nation Pachamama movement, she just said, well, do you ask for guidance? I said, no. She said, do you ask Mother Earth to speak through you? And I was like, no. She said, well, you should. You know, yeah. and so then I, and, and similarly to how I started that conversation of love with my body in my healing process, I began conversing with Mother Earth. And in my meditation, I would, you know, really just ask for her to speak through me. And I would ask that I be a vehicle to communicate, you know, earth wisdom and, you know, messages from the five elements and, um, and that sort of thing. And now I just, I can't prep, you know, if I try and prepare for my next new moon ceremony, it's almost like the universe sends in writer's block. And it's like, you don't know what you're going to say because you don't know who's going to be there. You need to just wait and feel that and then just trust. And now I'm in that space of trust and I just love that. And it was a very gradual process, like as dusk goes from day to night, you know, not like turning a light on. It was like over time. Perfect. Absolutely yeah. perfect. Mm. Beautifully, beautifully illustrated. And I think that's what we're all doing too because I attract the people that listen and watch these shows that I put out. I call them the New World Teachers. Mm. And New World Teachers are people that are on their own path and then they share that with others. So however they do that, they share it by talking to others. They share it by having groups. They share it by facilitating dance or singing or workshops yeah. or they get online and do podcasts or they write books or poetry or whatever it's just sharing you know as Wayne Dyer would say get that music out of you before you leave this planet and uh yeah and that's just so beautifully said for people on their journey that journey of channeling is ask, mm -hmm. ask allow yeah, yeah. and uh, that and just what you said about preparing you know, preparing is actually not allowing. Preparing is saying, I can't do it, so I need yeah. to prepare. And just that trust is allowing. It's like, I'll just show up and you'll speak through me. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's that allowing yeah. process. Exactly. Oh, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So what is that Pachamama? Let's talk about the Pachamama. Right. So Nation Pachamama is a movement um, pretty much based out of South America. They have little pods and pockets um, around the world. There's a few of us in Australia that really resonate with the teachings. And uh, it's, you know, the, the, the kind of the, the man that um, shares the teachings, his name is Lucidor Flores and he's, uh, he lives in the Andes. Uh, um, uh, he's from Argentina. And basically it's, it's not just a group, it's a movement because they, um, they're very active. So they come together and they, um, they have uh, like every on the autumn equinox and the spring equinox, they do like a 21 day meditation where they start on the 1st of March and then again on the 1st of September. And it's these beautiful teachings every day. Um, and anyone around the world can join in this. It's called the 21 day practice. 
and uh, you know you start off the day and it's like a, you have a vegan diet and it's about cleansing the mind, body, and spirit. Um, so that's uh, you know it goes over the 21 days and there's these beautiful, romantic, poetic, soul teachings um, that Lucidor channels and uh, and he shares. You know it's kind of you get it in a booklet. Um, so that's kind of one of the things that they do for the general public. But as far as their day-to-day activities, they're really active in South America. They've built, I believe, seven largely off-grid communities around Brazil and Argentina where people can go and they can hold workshops, retreats, meditation um, things. And I've spent two weeks in one of those communities in Brazil a couple of years ago. Uh, Their goal or their aim... I guess is to get people to uh, fall back in love with Mother Earth, um, yeah. and they have this almost erotic relationship with nature that I really have learnt a lot from. It's not sexual, but it's just um, I think also because they're Brazilian, they have that sensuality. That, American, uh, <laughs> that I love that. I've never heard that before. An erotic relationship with nature i love that i've never heard that and it's really charming you know and um so they have lawyers and judges and things like that who are part of the movement who go to the un and are like fighting for the rights of mother earth so they don't just sit in a room and meditate and say you know oh the flowers are so pretty like they get shit done, you know, they're like shaking stuff up and, you know, they're very educated and, and um, yeah. And it's not, uh, you know, it's, it costs next to no money to be part of the movement. It's not like, Oh, pay a thousand dollars and be in the movement. It's like, you know, the, the, the 21 day meditation is like, I don't know, it's like $30 or something non-existent, you know? So it's really about community nation Pachamama it's like the whole world is mother earth so it's um sharing these teachings and the teachings all come from the Andean mysticism lineage so Keros the little town you know a lot of people that um a lot of people that are doing a lot of the plant medicine are are connected to the Quechua uh, people and and Keros and this is this do you know about Keros the the little I don't uh, know I've I've never been over there and um, I've never done ayahuasca. I've sort of not participated. So yeah. I'm fascinated and I'm sure people listening yeah. to this are too. Yeah. To hear well, the Nation Pachamama, um, they're, they're not into plant medicine. The only medicine that they have is, is love. That's it. It's love okay. for, for nature. But I just kind of mentioned plant medicine because a lot of the people that kind of work with the, you know, with this kind of Andean you know, spiritual practices, a lot of the time it does bring in, you know, cacao or ayahuasca or San Pedro, whatever it is. So it's, I kind of like that they don't, that's not part of what they teach. It's like, you don't need any of that to fall in love with nature, which is what a lot of that plant medicine, in my opinion, does is it it opens your soul to um, the exquisite beauty of nature. And it, it allows you to see the fractal magic in leaves and trees and air you know um so yeah, yeah. and the te- te- lucidor's teachings are very romantic and they're very poetic and um and it's all about being still not trying to get anywhere observe the present moments 
you know, um, and be kind, but also have action, which I love, you know. Um, I love that they mm. they also inspire you to, you know, to do good and and to not just pray for, you know, healing, but to go out. Well, praying is powerful. I mean, praying is potent. But getting back to that sort of dance that we were talking about, like when you put prayer with movement, you just yes. amplify energy. So, so action, it's not about what you do. It's just about doing something with yeah. intent. It's like whatever you do, whether you're cleaning the house or at the gym or, you know, like putting action with intent or energy, like with your prayer. So like seeing the world, like I think I posted something on Facebook recently. Um, we have, oh, what was it? The woman that wrote Harry Potter. J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling, she said, you know, we have the tools to create a new humanity. It's our imagination. Yeah. You know, dream a new existence into existence, like dream it into yes. existence. Because uh, this world has been, as it is, has been dreamt into existence by what we think and feel and the actions we take from those feelings and thoughts and so we can do if we can create chaos we can create bliss right someone just needs to tell that to hollywood really they need to tell them to stop making films about armageddon and war and bring some more avatar back into the bloody script i know well avatar's about war too i was watching a trailer on the new avatar coming out next year i think you know avatar too who's there yeah that's been a long time in the making but um and I was like, I'm so excited. And, and then I'm like looking at the trailer thinking, oh, more war. It's more fighting, more war. I know. It's really monotonous, the whole let's fight each other and kill each other. And <laughs> I know. I know. But anyway, so we need brilliant minds like you, Rach, more yeah. people that are creative, ecstatic, in, you know, like what did you say? Um, in love with nature, not in love with nature. What did you say? The erotic relationship with nature. Erotic <laughs> Natural eroticism. To, yeah, create, create movies, create parties, create community, yeah, to create a new world, like these creative beings that have directed focus into love and not into destruction. Yeah, that's what this new world's all about. And that's really what it is, you know, that's why I create these experiences, whether it's an intimate women's circle or a one-on-one, all the big 200 people solstice celebrations, it's... It's giving, you know, some people, some people it's the first time that they taste or touch or see or smell that kind of um, way of being in life, you know, by calling in the directions and connecting to the elements as teachers and bringing in, you know, because you start to expand who you are when you start to bring these other realms in, you know. So it's like... Um, you know, instead of creating movies, you know, I feel like I'm just creating these experiences where my light, if you want to just call it that for use of a word, can further ignite other people's lights that maybe were just kind of flickering quite unnoticed before, you know, and then we all just get lit up like a candelabra and it's just beautiful. Ah, beautiful. Mm. Oh, well, when you were talking about um, that erotic relationship with nature, I saw all these white sparkles just go (laughs) above my computer. And I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, who was that? And they said to me, we're the fairies, we're the elementals, like we're the beings that beings or points of light. If you can see a being not as a person, 
but as a conscious point of light, although fairies, they can manifest in fairy form, like with little beings with wings. People have seen them, but they are points of light, much like the angels. They're the, like, they're the angelic realm that look after nature. You know, we've got, like humans have, we have our angelic realm and then nature has her angelic realm mm. that tend to and look after nature. And when you said, what is erotic relationship? They just went, like they just lit up. I'm like, oh my God. Uh, wow. Okay. So what, we'll wrap this up. Oh, we've been going for about an hour. Beautiful. What would your message be? What message would you like to leave with people? What's your message to the world? Oh, I just love the quote from Roald Dahl that those that don't believe in magic will never find it. And I, I think that slowly people are starting to feel um, the, the, the song of nature that's singing more and more loudly. And, and it's almost like that mermaid siren song that's starting to enchant people. And, and, uh, you know, my message is just if if you do start to hear that or if you're curious, um, you know, and I'm sure the people that watch your your show are are the ones that are either putting it into practice or they're the curious ones, is to just feed that curiosity and explore different modalities and 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 different teachers and you know, you really just start to build your own version of reality. Like you said, you know, we've got to create create this brave new world and it starts from creating our own brave new world the most romantic you know erotic exotic colorful radiant version yeah yeah beautiful okay so where can people find out more about you people can always go to the website rainbowtribe.com or you can follow on instagram which is rainbowtribe underscore and then um, those people that are in Sydney that want to um, come to our events, you can join the group Rainbow Tribe Events and, and there's the page there as well. So, yeah. Beautiful. Oh, darling one, thank you so much. Oh, for being thanks. On this it was great fun. Thanks, darling. <laughs> Yay. Bye. Isn't she beautiful? The wonderful Rach Moore from Rainbow Tribes here in Sydney. Oh, such a light. She really is such a light. A few years ago, I met her because we were also hanging in the same tribe, you know, going to the same events. And I said to her, you really are very special. You're going to do big things in this world. And she said, oh, thanks for the encouragement. But I wasn't really encouraging her as much as tuning into who she is. And, um, yeah, she's, she's got the big guns working with her on the other side. You know, she's got all the archangels and everyone working with her as she illuminates and uplifts humanity you know, through her events and just through everything she does, really. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful woman in this world. Thanks again for watching another show, Accentuating the Positive. And I hope this has inspired you to start your own groups. If you're out there, if you can't find groups, start your own. Start a dance group, start an art group, start a poetry group, start a singing group, start a meditation group. Just do it. Just do it. Just get people together and let's direct our powerful intent and focus because that's how we change this world coming together in groups you can do it online you can do it uh, in person you can do it any way you want and directing our powerful focus that's how we're going to change this world by directing the power of being deliberate deliberate creators deliberate with our focus and our energy and our energy is not just our mental energy but our physical energy too like when you're on the treadmill if you go to the gym, I don't, or in a yoga class, 
and you're feeling hot and you're feeling that energy move, you know, turn your thoughts to what you want instead of what you're afraid of or what you fear or what you don't want. Like turn your thoughts to what you want and use the energy that you're generating to expand that dream into a reality. That's how we create this world and our world. Oh, beautiful conversation. She, she actually has her own radio show as well on Bondi Radio, which is a community radio station here in Sydney, and I'll be chatting with her on Thursday. This Thursday, what's the date? This Thursday, which will be 1st of um, August somewhere. We're the 31st of July today. Might, I might, might be there before I put this up. So Thursday is the 1st of August. There we are. And I'll be um, maybe sharing that on, on my Facebook page. I'll uh, live stream it on, on my Facebook page. And she'll be live streaming it on her Facebook page too if you want to listen to us doing some more yakking about life, love and the universe and consciousness. <laughs> and coming up in the uh, Inner Sanctum next month, August Inner Sanctum, is Raphael Tamora. She's actually, I just saw on her Facebook page this morning, uh, Bill Bennett, who made, you know, I had him on the show a few months back. He made a documentary called Intuition is Your Personal Guidance System, P PGS. Intuition is Your Personal Guidance System. And he's making another doco about fear. And he's traveling the world once again, speaking to spiritual teachers and masters across the world. And I saw that Raphael has just been interviewed for his next documentary. So that's beautiful. That'll be coming out probably, I don't know when that will come out, when he gets it maybe next year or how long he'll take to get it out there. But um, fear, what it means, how to overcome it, how to use it. You know, fear, we can be false evidence appearing real or it can be feeling alive and ready. Is that how? There's a couple of acronyms for fear. So fear is a good thing and a bad thing. You know, like fear is we can use fear when we feel that energy of fear. It might be guidance rather than just our limiting thoughts you know, squashing us. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Bill does with fear. But Raphael talks about animal, animal communication and reincarnation. And she's also an amazing psychic and spiritual teacher. So it's going to be a beautiful conversation with her. And of course, I'm online once or twice a month, every month in the Inner Sanctum, allowing you to share your stories. And we have this group that supports each other. And I facilitate the group and I do a bit of teaching, but I kind of let you be the teacher too, rather than just being the teacher. I think the best teachers in the world are the ones that create more teachers, <laughs> not more students, but more teachers. So in the Inner Sanctum, that's what I do. I teach you to be the teacher or allow you to be the teacher and share your experiences and uh, and support you as you start your own groups, facilitating your own groups or doing whatever you want to do to uplift and help this world, just sharing your story. So that's a couple of times we're online a month during the Inner Sanctum. It's very inexpensive, so join us and I'll see you again next week for another show accentuating the positive Karen Swain. Love you all. Remember to buy the book Awakened by Death. Big love. Bye for now.